How does SARS-CoV-2 affect the interferon system? Such an analysis is all the more important because SARS-CoV-2 massively suppresses interferon activity, reducing production as well as effectiveness. This can have far-reaching consequences, as we have already reported in Keynote 15. Interferons are glycoproteins with high antiviral activity that are produced in our body and which function as the key element of the body's own defense against viruses. The interferons serve as a sort of early warning system, triggering a call to the body to strengthen its defenses. In addition to effectiveness and active status, it is also about speed of reaction so that the body can always be one step ahead of the virus. In this sense, the interferons are like first responders. They are the most essential element of the body's early defense mechanism. As we already reported in Keynote 34, SARS-CoV-2 is able to reduce or even suspend interferon activity. Herein lies the great success of this virus, which has enabled it to make such an inexorable advance. With a new flu season looming, the question arises as to what might happen when several infections, bacterial and viral, come together. The crucial factor is which virus arrives first, as other infections, such as influenza or noroviruses, do not suppress interferon activity and production of interferons by these viruses is therefore activated rather than being switched off in advance. Consequently, the order in which an individual catches any of these viral diseases is very important. What exactly is the interferon system? The immune system is an extremely complex network in which proteins, hormones, other messenger substances and special cells work together to recognize an intruder, alert other cells in the organism and work together with them to counter the threat. The immune system pursues two fundamentally different strategies, a very rapid, non-specific, i.e. less targeted response, and a slower, specific response in which antibodies are produced that bind precisely to the respective structures, surface protein, toxins and cell fragments of the intruder and thus take it out of circulation. SARS-CoV-2 is a protein that is characterized by its notorious spike, as we have reported in several previous articles on antibody production and vaccination. Interferons are important mediators for both types of immune defense. They are mainly effective against viruses that have entered the body, an ability that also leads to the detection of this class of proteins. In addition to their antiviral properties, interferons also have growth-inhibiting effects on tumor cells, are immunomodulatory, and act as signal transmitters between immune cells. In the case of type 1 interferons, interferon alpha and beta, the antiviral effect predominates, whereas in the case of type 2, interferon Y acts primarily as an immunomodulator. The antiproliferative effect is mainly due to their ability to phosphorylate regulatory proteins of the cell cycle and thereby influence their activity. This interaction is highly complex and, in our opinion, it can be difficult to artificially replicate interferons and achieve risk-free effectiveness. We will go into this in more detail in part two. What is the method of attack employed by the SARS-CoV-2 virus? As soon as a virus attacks a cell, the immune system has to react immediately before the virus can spread in the body. How does a cell recognize that it is infected by a virus? In an infected cell, viruses immediately ensure that the cell's own protein synthesis is suppressed as far as possible so that the production of new virus particles takes precedence. Viral proteins differ from the molecules that are otherwise present in a cell. Furthermore, many viruses have an RNA genome, which means that double-stranded RNA molecules are synthesized during the viral replication process. The infected cell recognizes the intruder by means of these unfamiliar molecules and begins to synthesize interferon. These interferons are dispatched from the cell to alert the neighboring cells. At a later stage of the virus infection, interferons are also instrumental in the immune defense by means of T and B lymphocytes. 
We've already discussed the importance of these lymphocytes in the context of the immune defense in several previous keynotes, and they too are dependent on interferon activity. Interferons are immune modulators, which means that these proteins can stimulate certain immune cells while inhibiting others. As we have already mentioned on previous occasions, this interplay is crucial for an optimized immune response, because ultimately it is always about getting a balanced immune response. The immunostimulatory effect of interferons relies above all on the increase in cytotoxic activity, especially the activity of macrophages. The presence of interferons stimulates the phagocytotic capacity of these scavenger cells. Interferons have a similar effect on NK cells, the importance of which we have stressed many times in the past. Their cytotoxicity likewise increases in the presence of interferon. NK cells also play an important role in connection with cancer as they support the growth-inhibiting effect of interferons on tumour cells. What role do MHC antigens play? Interferons stimulate the expression of MHC antigens, which are important for the recognition of virus-infected cells by the immune system. MHC1 proteins are found on the surface of nucleated cells, with MHC2 only occurring on the surface of immune cells. They bind small fragments of proteins in a cell and then present them on the surface of the cell. Fragments originating from foreign cells are recognized by cytotoxic T lymphocytes. Type 1 interferons, alpha and beta, increase the expression of MHC1, while interferon Y upregulates the expression of MHC2. Some microorganisms and viruses are able to suppress this presentation of MHC1 molecules on the cell surface in an attempt to conceal themselves from the immune system, and herein lies the problem arising from the coronavirus pandemic, because this is precisely what SARS-CoV-2 is able to do. At this point, scavenger cells come into play again, which in this case are the natural killer cells. NK cells can recognize cells with too few MHC molecules on their surface and trigger apoptosis, a form of programmed suicide that occurs in multicellular organisms. What does the interferon system do? The very complexity of the interferon system explains why it has not only an antiviral but also a modulatory effect. When interferons were first discovered in the 1960s, they were initially divided into two classes. Interferons with an antiviral effect that was still present at a pH value of 2 were called acid-stable interferons, type 1 interferons. The second class is the acid-labile interferon Y, type 2 interferon, which is only produced by T-cells and also goes by the name of immune interferon. With the acquisition of the first interferon sequence data, it became apparent that interferon alpha and interferon beta are closely related and probably came about as the result of gene duplication. At the same time, new interferon alpha SUP types were being discovered, resulting in an ever greater plethora of different names, often for one and the same interferon. Thankfully, a uniform nomenclature for the individual interferon classes has since become established. We now have interferon alpha, the so-called leukocyte interferon, with the SUP classes alpha-1 and alpha-2, etc. Interferon beta, the fibroblast interferon. Interferon Y, the immune interferon, and interferon omega. Interferon alpha is stimulated by viruses, but the main producers are monocytes and macrophages. A mixture of the different alpha interferons is designated interferon AN. Interferons can be distinguished by the different ways in which they bind to different cell receptors. Here, interferon Y occupies a special position because it is the only interferon that binds to receptor 2, which then plays a role in the development of interferon therapies, as we will be explaining in Part 2. 
Therapeutically, all interferons come into play for viral infections such as hepatitis B and C. Because of its growth-inhibiting, anti-proliferative effect, interferon alpha is also used to treat HC leukemia, TC lymphocytes of the skin, and sarcomas. Like the closely related interferon alpha, interferon beta consists of 166 amino acids. In therapy, interferon beta is used to treat relapsing remitting or moderately severe multiple sclerosis and severe viral diseases. Interferon Y is not primarily induced by viruses, but rather by antigens. It is synthesized in T helper cells, and dendritic cells, and in natural killer cells that have come into contact with an antigen. This interferon also has an antiviral effect, but more important in the organism are its immunomodulatory and anti-tumor properties. By activating the macrophages, the entire cellular defense is stimulated. Reactive oxygen species, ROS, and nitric oxide, NO, are synthesized, which activates other macrophages that in turn kill bacteria. Almost all cells in the human body have receptors for interferon Y, with the exception of the erythrocytes. In summary, interferon Y is responsible for the modulation of MHC antigen expressions, for the activation of natural killer cells, for the activation of macrophages, and for the activation of nitric oxide, NO, synthase. It is thus ultimately responsible for an optimal immune response. In the next podcast, we will outline the possibilities that arise from this for a potential interferon therapy or for stimulating the client's own interferon activity. How important is the role that interferons can play in the current pandemic? We are at war with the virus, and interferon activity is of existential importance for the battle order of the defending forces. Without full functionality of the interferon system, the attackers will rapidly swarm over the castle moat, and the defenders will then have to deploy all the means they have left at their disposal. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is so successful by comparison with influenza, norovirus, or other coronaviruses because of the way in which it weakens and eliminates interferons more or less effortlessly depending on the epigenetic condition of the system, thus leaving it virtually free to proliferate. As already described in Part 1, the sheer complexity of the interferon system has so far proved an insurmountable obstacle for the many worldwide projects aimed at producing interferon therapies. As is so often the case, the replication of hormones or hormone-like substances is very complex, and the production processes are likewise too complicated to be readily reproduced. This is the challenge for scientific research. Interferon, in particular, involves intensely complicated processes. As with other hormonal problems, the salvaging strategy is always to support, optimize, and stimulate the body's own procedures and thereby achieve much greater sustainability. We also consider this to be the correct approach to be applied in interferon therapy. What happens to an individual when he or she is infected with SARS-CoV-2? The debate about simultaneous infections with different viruses in the Northern Hemisphere has reached an advanced stage due to the upcoming flu season, and we have already discussed this matter in detail in Keynote 34. Here, the risk and the solution may go hand in hand. The decisive factor in the case of simultaneous infections of norovirus or influenza with SARS-CoV-2 is the sequence of infection. This is very much related to the interferons. In contrast to SARS-CoV-2, norovirus, influenza, and other coronaviruses cause the interferon systems to become strongly activated and to initiate corresponding interferon production. This then remains at the disposal of the defense mechanisms for a certain length of time. So, for example, 
If an influenza infection occurs first, the interferons formed can exert a protective effect in the event of a subsequent SARS-CoV-2 infection which, as already described above, would otherwise deactivate the interferon system. Of course, this only works if the interferon system is active and well-optimized, which is the aim of the Salvagene COVID-19 immunization program. If the sequence is reversed, we can expect the consequences to be fatal. If there is a SARS-CoV-2 infection first, and the influenza infection only comes afterwards, then the absence of interferons caused by the SARS-CoV-2 infection means that the influenza infection is likely to be even more severe. As already described, coronavirus-based colds also produce antibodies, which can have a supplementary effect in a SARS-CoV-2 infection. It should be noted that, when a cold is triggered by corona, influenza, or noroviruses, the antibodies, for coronaviruses, and interferons, for norovirus and influenza viruses, which are released, have a protective effect in the event of a subsequent SARS-CoV-2 infection. During the coming season, it is important that the status of a virus is definitively diagnosed. A virus can normally be distinguished on the basis of symptoms exhibited, but in our opinion, it makes sense to diagnose virus status explicitly this year, and depending on the result, our recommendation is not to overtreat the illness, thereby allowing possible interferons and also corona antibodies to remain active. What are the steps involved in your COVID-19 immunisation programme? The extent to which SARS-CoV-2 can damage or deactivate the body's own interferon system is clearly related to the epigenetic condition of the interferon receptor family. And this is the central diagnostic factor in our Salvagene COVID-19 immunization program and in our testing. What we can be sure of is that certain courses of action impair the interferon system in its functionality. These include the uncontrolled intake of medications and of the COVID-19 vitamin supplements that are currently somewhat in vogue. Taken in extremely high doses, they accelerate the methylation of the crucial interferon receptors and thus impair functionality. Essentially, we can say that the old adage, the more the merrier, is completely wrong in this case. Indeed, it could have fatal consequences. Not everything that may be right for treating COVID-19 once caught is also right for the prevention of the disease and for the optimization of our own immune status. Especially in the case of COVID-19, the protocols developed for the prevention of disease and optimization of the immune system differ completely from COVID-19 therapies. The increase in vitaminosis in the USA is also the result of these uncontrolled preventative measures. They usually do more harm than good. Epigenetic and methylation analyses of interferon receptors produce a list of do's and don'ts which in turn generate targeted and individual measures. Here, it is crucial that we suppress the presentation of MHC1 molecules on the surface of the affected cells. This is one of several mechanisms in addition to our own interferon system that can inhibit SARS-CoV-2. There are corresponding receptors for messenger substances on the cell surface. Interferons are therefore not absorbed into the target cell, but send a signal through the cell membrane into the interior of the cell. The receptors on the cell surface are specific for the type of interferon. A group of receptors bind the various interferons of the alpha subtype interferon beta. The other type of receptor is specific to interferon Y. Almost all cells have interferon receptors, even tumor cells. 
All interferon receptors are composed of an extracellular N-terminal domain, a transmembrane part of the protein in an intracellular coterminal domain through which the signal is transmitted into the cell. Similar to the other cytokines, the signal is passed from one protein to the next by means of phosphorylation. The signal transmission cascades of type 1 interferons and type 2 interferons differ in a few details. This signal transmission is measured by us. For example, our interferon activity analysis, based on epigenetic and methylation status of the functionality of the entire system, checks how well the receptor-dependent production of the MX protein works. This protein specifically blocks the replication of certain viruses such as influenza. Alongside the optimization of MX protein production and the optimization of the MHC1 complex, we also seek to optimize translation and transcription. These are among the most important processes after a virus attack, without which neither the viral genome nor the viral envelope proteins can be synthesized. So-called 2,5-A synthetase is also one of the most important interferon-inducible cell proteins which are synthesized during a viral attack. This enzyme reacts to the presence of double-stranded DNA, which is normally not found in a cell. The aim is to optimize the processes described here and at the same time reduce the virus's own defense measures against the interferons as far as possible. This is because viruses produce RNAs that prevent the activation of the cellular virus defense. The presence of numerous small double-stranded RNA molecules is a signal for the cell that viruses are multiplying within. Under these circumstances, for example, double-stranded dsRNA-dependent protein kinase is normally activated, which then stops the reproduction of the viruses in the cell. This activation can be undermined by SARS-CoV-2, for example, it synthesizes small viral RNAs, such as VAI, which binds dsRNA-dependent protein kinase of the infected cell and thus prevents its activation by the viral dsRNA. SARS-CoV-2 also produces proteins that prevent the 2,5-A synthetase described above. The conclusions we draw from this are as follows. 1. Interferons are the most important barrier, providing an effective, rapid, and targeted immune response. 2. Weak interferon systems are reduced or inactivated by SARS-CoV-2, with the result that this virus spreads much more easily than other types of virus. 3. Without interferon activation, only reactive and strongly interventionist measures remain, such as vaccination and or powerful drugs, with much lower chances of success. 4. Due to the complexity of the issue, all interferon projects being pursued worldwide are currently still associated with strong side effects and risks. 5. The most sustainable remedy in the meantime is the optimization of our own interferon system by epigenetic methylation analysis of the interferon receptors, regular monitoring and recommendations for optimization derived from this. This is what we have been doing since May in the context of our Salvagene COVID-19 immunization program. And since the results of the regular monitoring and retests became available, we have been able to register a perceptible improvement in weakened interferon systems.